The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 374. The average American pre-pandemic had a 27-minute commute each way. So I've been fundamentally asking people, on average, what are you doing with the extra hour you just got back? Even before the coronavirus hit, remote work was growing at nearly 30% per year, and now it's a fact of life. Are you just on a remote team, or are you a great teammate? Hi, I'm Jeff Brown, and this is the Read to Lead podcast the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I believe that in order to achieve true success in business and in life, intentional and consistent reading is a must. So with each outing, we welcome another successful and inspiring author and dig into their latest book and their insights on things like personal and professional development, leadership, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship. Today, we're being joined by someone I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. His name is Kevin Eikenberry, and he's the co-author of the new book, The Long Distance Teammate. Stay engaged and connected while working anywhere. I plan to ask Kevin to share about his 3P model for remote work success, what it means to have the right mindset for remote work, some of the challenges to getting and staying motivated for someone who works alone, and plenty more. One of the things I love about the chair I get to sit in is the unbelievable and unbelievably successful people I get to chat with every week. And if it's ever crossed your mind, gee, I wonder if we were to try and figure out what it is all these successful people have in common, what would, what would those things be? I've actually done that work for you and put it in a short, about 25 or so page ebook that I call Dream Big, the five personal habits that will supercharge your life. And I'd love to give you that absolutely free. You can get it right now when you go to readtoleadpodcast.com and just put your name and email address in the form at the upper right of the page. That's readtoleadpodcast.com to get a free copy of my ebook, Dream Big, five personal habits that will supercharge your life. Kevin Eikenberry is founder and chief potential officer of the Kevin Eikenberry Group. He's been named one of Inc.com's top 100 leadership and management experts in the world and is the author of quite a few books, one of which, fortunately for us, we're going to be diving into today. His latest, written with Wayne Termel, is called The Long Distance Teammate. Stay engaged and connected while working anywhere. It could not be more relevant than it is right now. Kevin, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. I'm excited to finally have you here. Jeff, it is such a pleasure to be here. And uh, people have kept saying, well, man, the book came out in January of 2021. Well, how timely was it? I said, no, timely would have been last July. July of 2020 (laughs) is when I wish. I mean, it was in the can then. I wish that I could have gotten the publisher to Uh, speed up the process. We did get them to speed up the release of the audio book. The Audible book was available several months early, but... But yeah, but, but overall, to your point, uh, pretty timely. 
And uh, we're we're blessed and honored to have the chance to help a lot of people in this time. Mm. Well, first, I thought I'd give you a chance, since I wasn't smart enough to have you on here to talk about your last book, which I think ties in nicely with this one, to have you share a bit about the book that precedes this one, The Long Distance Leader. The Long Distance Leader, Rules for Remarkable Remote Leadership. I just happen to have a copy here, Jeff. <laughs> um, so along with Wayne Termel, we formed the Remote Leadership Institute, I think about six years ago now. We're doing work with organizations that had remote teams and had remote leaders. And because of our work with, uh, with leaders around the world for the last, at that point, 20 years, we felt like bringing some of the remote communications work that Wayne had been doing together with our leadership work and the fact that I had been leading a remote team already for many years at that point mm. made sense. And the marketplace uh, needed it and responded, although not certainly like it has in the last year or so. But the, but that book was really designed to help us do this, to help us say, and there's a bunch of rules in the book, one for each chapter. Rule number one is think leadership first, location second. And so what that book really was trying to do was say, you know some stuff about leadership. But what are the nuances that are incredibly important now that you're not seeing those people every day? And so I think the book has a lot of solid information and a lot of solid ideas, Jeff, about leadership in general. Mm. But all of them are then tuned to this idea of doing it at a distance. And uh, although it's not quite as obvious that that's the case with a long-distance teammate, there, 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 when we wrote the first book, there was like, okay, making sure that we're talking enough about the distance part, right? Mm. We didn't have to do that quite as much with teammate. But if you were to take any chapter in the long distance teammate, you could say the underlying principles are still true. Do relationships, having strong working relationships matter to us with our coworkers or what we would call teammates? Yes, that's still true, regardless of whether we see each other every day or not. But the book really, the new book really is focused on the nuances of doing that when you don't see people often or ever. So this book's going to absolutely continue to be applicable if you're on a, on a hybrid team and you're with people some of the time, but not all the time and all those things. And it's, it's to be clear, it's not a book about working from home per se, right? Ah, you know that, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> Way to tee that up, Jeff. Uh, so one of my one of the big ideas of the book to me is there is a difference between working from home and being a, a successful remote teammate. And so for the last year, people say, well, what do you do? Well, I work from home. Well, before that, no one ever said, well, I work in an office. Somehow we have decided to define our work by where we do it. And that's just not helpful mm. at all. And And when people make the shift from I work from home, I work by myself, I work, you know, in, in, in whatever and say, I'm a member of a remote team, or what we would say even better is, I'm a remote teammate. It changes our viewpoint, it changes our perspective, and it puts us in a better place to be more successful, both for ourselves and for the team. You just made a, a distinction briefly there between team member and teammate. I'd love for you to kind of expound on that. What is the difference in your view between those two? Well, in our view, I mean, we, we consciously pick the word teammate. And sometimes when I'm writing things, it's hard to say teammate. It's easy to say team member. But here's the reality. The reality is you can pick me you know, when we were kids and we were in the playground and they're picking the teams for flag football or touch foot, touch football. We didn't have flags, touch football um, <laughs> or basketball, whatever. Like you're picking the teams. You got picked and you were a team member. Doesn't mean that you felt like a teammate. Right. Being a teammate implies that I have a level of engagement, that I have a level of caring, that that Jeff matters to me as a person, as well as being a part of this team. He and I can be on the same team. It's not 
the same as us being teammates and me feeling that and therefore then acting from that place. If my mindset is teammate, it changes my thoughts and my actions. If my mindset is work from home, that changes my thoughts and my actions. If my mindset is team member, it's better than working from home, but it's not as good. It's not as effective. It's not as rich as being a teammate. All right. Uh, describe what you call your 3P model for uh, remote work success. Well, when we were doing some of the research for the book, uh, we asked a lot of people about what, you know, what helped you be successful, what were you missing in being successful as a remote worker. And uh, three things kept coming up over and over, and it certainly was in line with uh, what we already knew in working with teams and organizations. And that is that when we're working remotely, we've got to figure out how to be highly productive. So productivity is one P. We have to uh, we have to think about the potential for ourselves along the way. In other words, every conversation we have and every action that we take has the potential to have a positive or negative impact, both short and long term. So just doing the expedient doesn't always help us. And we have to think about our potential in our career when we're not around everybody else. But the third P, really the second P when we describe them, but the one that kept up the most is that to be highly effective working remotely from our teammates is that we have to be more proactive. We can't just be waiting for things to happen. We have to be willing to step up. We have to be willing to raise our hand on Zoom and we need to be ready to do do those things. So, so the three P's are productivity, proactivity, and potential. What does it mean then to have the right mindset about remote work? How would you describe that? Well, I think we've got it part of it already, right? Which is to say that uh, reframe what your job is, reframe what it takes to be successful, three Ps. And then one other thing that I would say, and that is that the longer we work from home, the longer that we work by ourselves, the more insular we become, the more our work is defined by the task list the more that we see ourselves as on our own. We're not walking into an office and seeing sites and seeing monitors with benchmarks on them and seeing things on bulletin boards and seeing our colleagues and all of that stuff. And so the longer we work alone, the more insular we become. And so the, here's, here's how I would define the other piece of the mindset, Jeff, that we need. And that is that your job does not just equal your work. Your job equals your work plus teamwork whether that's your interactions with others, your relationships with others, your interactions with others, uh, how you support the rest of the team, how your work is interconnected with the rest of the team, et cetera. So your job is your work plus the team's work. You you touched on one of these a moment ago, at least. Uh, What would you say, Kevin, are some of the challenges to uh, getting and staying motivated for someone who who works alone? Well, you know, uh, motivation at the end of the day is, I, I believe, almost all internal, right? Mm. Uh, or what what lasts and what matters is internal. So answering that question, Jeff, is a little hard for every individual person because not everyone's missing the same things, right? In comparison of this scenario that you're likely living in now as you're watching or listening to us and where you were, you know, before when you went to an office and were face-to-face with people. So a little bit of that has to be determined by you in terms of what do you need and what are you missing? But I will say, that as a general statement, it does relate to seeing yourself as a part of something larger. And when you remember that you're a part of something larger, that being the team, and when you remember the purpose of the work, and you can be more purposeful. One of the things that 
Every survey I've ever read, and not just in the last year, about what people want from work, top of the list, meaningful work. And so make sure that you still see your work as being meaningful. And sometimes the longer we're remote, for some of us, that's harder to remember, to put it in the right context. Mm. Uh, talk about how you view time management, that it's really about choice. There's no such thing, Jeff. There's no <laughs> such thing. That's my, that's my answer to your question. How's that? You you wanted something controversial? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really about the decisions we make as much as anything, right? Yeah, I, I say yeah. there's no such thing as time management. We all have the same amount of it, 60 seconds a minute, 60 minutes an hour, 1,440 minutes a day. We all have the same amount. Jeff and I, we have the same amount. You have the same amount. Warren Buffett has the same amount. The ultimate couch potato has the same amount. It's all about the, try to do that without casting any dispersions or making any judgments, right? Right, Um, right. Listen, it's all about the choices that we make with the time we have. And, And so the distractors at home are different, right? Maybe more, but certainly different than when we were in the office. And the other thing that's made this hazy, Jeff, is that, you know, if we go back to the beginning of 2020, right, pre-pandemic. If mm-hmm. we go back then, some people's idea of working from home is they did it once in a while, and they did it for a day. Yeah. And when you do it for one day every third week or whatever, you likely were more productive because in those moments, you didn't have five other Zoom meetings. You went home to work on the project. And so a lot of things were in your favor for productivity. And I believe that most of the research that says people are more productive when they're working from home, it's really all about that. Interesting. Uh, I, I could give you some anecdotal data about that. But the point is that it's all about the choices that we make. And we weren't ready necessarily for all of the new choices that we had to make when we suddenly were plopped at home. And in some cases, we haven't figured them out yet. Because we never really built the new routines that would serve us best. I, I talked to some folks about this and it kind of drives them crazy. It works for me, but when I set out to plan my week, I do exactly that. I plan my week. I, I get up in the morning and I look at the day and I decide how every hour is going to be utilized, not minute by minute, but but I, I, I want to make sure that I spend my time on paper before you know I get to the end of the week and go, where did all the time go? Is that is that Kind of the world you live in, I presume. I mean, you got to you. You need to you need to plan based on your calendar. Like you and mm-hmm. I have both had this meeting on our calendar for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to it. It's been on my calendar. I could look ahead and say, "I'm with Jeff." Mm-hmm. Awesome. And we all put that for meetings. Right. But what about the rest of your work? I, I'll give you. A, I'll tell you a quick story. For months now, I've been asking people this question. So, what are you doing with the time you used to spend commuting? And the average American pre-pandemic had a 27-minute commute each way. So I've been fundamentally asking people, on average, what are you doing with the extra hour you just got back? Great question. Right? We could do the family feud answers. The top (laughs) number one answer, over 50% working. I'm spending that hour working. Mm. Okay. My next question to them is, and they answer that quickly. Whether it's working, whether it's sleeping, whether it's exercising, whether it's a hobby, whether it's reading, mm. which you and I both like to hear, <laughs> or whether it's meditating, praying, thinking. Like those are basically the six answers. Mm-hmm. But the number one answer is working. And they can give me that answer almost always immediately. And then when they say working, I say, so are you getting more accomplished? Mm. To which I get a lot of silence. <laughs> and see, productivity is not getting it done. It's output per hour. So if we're getting the same amount done, but spending more time at it, we're not being more productive. We're being mm. less productive. And I'm not saying it's bad to work more. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that. But if you're not getting more accomplished, 
then I think it's a question you need to talk to yourself about. Ask yourself about the choices that you're making about that. I know you, I think you covered some of this in the long distance leader, because uh, to that sort of time spent working, don't a lot of leaders kind of base whether or not someone's being productive on how much time they're spending behind their desk or in front of their computer? Especially early in the pandemic, or oftentimes early when people start leading remotely, the question that leaders have is, how do I know if they're working? Like, <laughs> right. are they accomplishing the stuff? That's all that matters. Like, we can, yes, this has been, this has been around forever. How did you people judge how people were doing? Well, they were here a lot of hours. They're working hard. Maybe <laughs> not. I've often said, you don't know how, what they're doing unless you're looking over their monitor. Please don't do that. Don't look <laughs> over their shoulders and do that. You weren't doing that before. You can't do it now. So how is it any different? We should be judging it based on output, not only of the work, but inside of your work box, but also in the, the output of how they're interacting with the team, that larger box, right? That's what we should be measuring. That's what we should be judging against. But too many leaders trouble with that. I'll give you an, I'll give you another I'll give you a personal example. I had a team member who for a long time lived an hour and 15 minutes away and she worked remotely some of the time. Uh, and when we moved to this office we call Remarkable House, she was down the hall. Now, Jenny was a late day power time person. Mm -hmm. Kevin is an early in the day power time person. Mm -hmm. And this is almost embarrassing, but there would be times when Jenny and I would almost overlap in between when she'd be sending me an email and I would be responding. Like, <laughs> embarrassingly. So that's only for context. So I told Jenny, which I believe was correct, like, I don't care when you work as long as the work gets done. I really don't. I need you to make that call. I'm going to trust your judgment about your work-life balance. Now, her job was not customer-facing, so I could do that, right? So mm -hmm. that was the right answer, right. and that relates directly to our conversation. But here's where the rub came, Jeff. I'd be sitting at my desk, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 8.15, 8.45, 9 o'clock, <laughs> and here's what's in my head. When in the heck is Jenny going to get to work? <laughs> and I knew that she might have been working at 1, and I knew that she was largely up-to-date with her, you know, that I wasn't really worried about the output. But that's what's in my head. And I think that's when it's in a lot of people's heads. And I would have to, I'd have to shut that off. It took me a long time. Like I made the right decision by letting her find the way that worked best for her. That was the right decision. Right. For the right reasons. And I still had trouble for a long time. Yeah. Was it just time? Is, is that what it took? Was there anything special you did or was well, it just took time? I mean, I was really clear that I'd made the right decision to start with. Mm -hmm. So if you weren't, wouldn't have been as, um, as, uh, clear, it might right. be easy to say, I need you back here at eight o'clock. Why aren't you? Here? I mean, but I never did that. And and it wasn't debilitating, but it would happen. Like, you know, 915 and she's not here yet. <laughs> and then I go, well, that's okay. I mean, it would just take me a sec. I'd have to, you know, the one voice and then the other voice is really all it was. But the one voice did pop up because good employee, hard worker, on time, all that stuff hooked together right. in our heads. Well, related to that, let's talk about routines and why they're so important to the success of remote workers. I think there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to routines. When we hear that word, it's, oh, that means boring. That means same every day. But how do you view them? Well, here's the thing. Routines are habits. And when we have a habit, it allows us to move all of the thoughts and decisions about that into our subconscious. Our subconscious is incredibly powerful compared to our relatively feeble conscious minds. Once we have it as a habit or series of habits, a routine, it's back there and there's a whole lot of good stuff our brains can do with it and we don't have to think about it anymore. 
It's perhaps why Steve Jobs wore the same clothes every day. I don't have to make that decision. I don't ever have to make that decision. It's already made. Uh, my team would say it's why Kevin always wears a blue shirt when he's on camera. It's personal choice. But I don't think about it because it's just made. There's one always in the closet or two. But, but here's the point. When we went to the office, we had routines. We did certain things before we got in our car or on our rapid transit or we walked or got in our bicycle, whatever we did. And there was a time spent, maybe up to 27 minutes or longer, between <laughs> leaving the, the stuff we did before we left the house and before we walked into the office. And all of that went away when all the walk was down the hall or maybe to the desk in your bedroom, whatever, right? And so when we first went here, we didn't have routines. Maybe we didn't think we needed them. And so there's been a lot of people that have either by default created ones that aren't serving them, like working more, mm-hmm. perhaps, or they're not serving them because they haven't examined them. Once they go into our subconscious, we don't think about it anymore. anymore. When was the last time you thought about which sock you put on in the morning first? <laughs> you haven't thought about it in no. forever, but I guarantee <laughs> you, you put the same one on every day first. Mm. Right. So like we don't think about it anymore. So it's the unexamined that we need to bring back out if it's not serving us. So the question is, are there are the routines serving us? And if they're not, we need to bring them back out. And that's always been true about everything. And there's a couple of really great books about habits. I don't know if you've had I have James Clear on here to talk about atomic habits as one example. Yeah. He can help you think through and there's others. Tiny Habits, another great book in this area to help you think all this through. But we need to examine where we are with all that. Because the change didn't come with us thinking about it, we just sort of adapted. Good point. Yeah, we've had both James and Dr. Fogg on. We haven't had Charles Duhigg on. He would be the third one, right? The Power (laughs) of Habits. All three awesome books, right? Well, I want to talk a bit about communication when it comes to remote work and more specifically, I guess, methods for building and maintaining relationships and trust in the remote work world. What, What advice would you give in that regard? It's perhaps more needed than ever Mm. and perhaps more neglected than ever. Wow. I mean, here's the thing. When we have higher levels of trust with others, everything's better, right? Less conflict, higher productivity, less miscommunication, less rework. We could go right on the list. Great books written about it. You know, maybe you've had folks from the Covey team talk on here to talk about the speed of trust. We're just going to keep giving people more books to read, (laughs) Jeff. But, but like trust is a solid, important, hard business need, not just some soft, touchy feely thing. And when we don't see each other, unless there was a tremendous amount of it before, it's likely to deteriorate without help, without work, or not build any further. And now the longer we do this, and if you continue to be in this mode, the longer that you are on a team, the more likely you're going to have teammates that you've never physically met. Right. So all of this matters so very much. And, you know, without unpacking everything about it, I'll just say this, that we have to make it a priority to main, to work on our relationships and build our trust. And that starts with the leader. If you're a leader, do you prioritize the relationships and the trust? Because if you don't, they're not going to. Do you make it clear that that's important? Because if you don't, they won't probably think so. They'll feel like they want to in some cases, but they're not sure that that's what they should be spending their time doing because they're not getting those clues and they're not seeing that in you. So let me give you a quick example. I work for Jeff and I need something from Jeff. I know Jeff's probably busy. So I pick up the phone. Could be another communication medium. We'll use the phone. I pick up the phone. Hey, Jeff, I know you're really busy. Don't want to take a lot of your time. Got a quick question. Ask the question. Jeff answers the question. I say, thank you. Hang up my phone And we transacted some business, but we didn't have any interaction. 
We didn't do anything that might aid or improve our relationship. We didn't do anything that might aid or add to trust other than the fact that Jeff answered his phone, which, which may help trust, right, in some, in, in some small part. But it doesn't tell me anything more about Jeff's motivations. It doesn't tell me anything more about are we in alignment. It doesn't tell me anything about those things. Does that, does that help? Yeah, it helps tremendously. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about when, before we started recording this conversation, oftentimes it can be my desire to get things going quickly out of respect for the other person's time. But I like it like you and I did, where we can take some time to get to know one another and have some small talk and, and not just, you know, chatter for chatter's sake, but to truly sort of dig into what's going on in each other's lives and then begin the conversation. And I feel like there's at least uh, in a small way, been a little bit of trust built there. Versus just jumping into an interview. <laughs> 100%. Because, you know, you can trust that I know something because I wrote a book. Okay. Which, by the way, everybody, for everyone else's benefit, that may not be true. Just because someone wrote a book doesn't necessarily mean they're credible. <laughs> but but, that, but that's, that's only one level, right? And that's just part of the process. And so uh, being on the other side of the mic, you know, for the Remarkable Leadership Podcast, I can tell you the same thing is true for me. When someone comes on right at the time when we need to start, and I know they have a hard stop at the end, and it feels a little rushed, it's, it's, mm. it's not going to be as good. And maybe listeners don't notice it, but I know I do. And that's why when I got on, I sort of took us there, right? Because mm -hmm. I felt like if we did, I knew that if you were rushed, you wouldn't sort of engage. But I went there because I felt like it would be worth the investment. For sure. For sure. I'm so glad you did. Well, I want to ask one final question about the book before I give you a chance to kind of wrap up what you want us to know about the book. And, and I'm thinking of someone who is maybe concerned with remote work as it has to do with their career path, maybe neglecting their career path or their learning and development. Uh, what advice might you give to someone who's concerned about those things? Two things. Those things are, first of all, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. It's completely, those two things are completely connected. And too many people entrust their organization with their development. Now, hopefully you work for an organization that wants to help you develop. And perhaps you, you are among that group because you're choosing to listen to us, right? That you're taking some initiative in your own development. And, and so we, I might be preaching to the choir here a bit. Jeff. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, you own your development. Hopefully you work for an organization that provides you opportunities to, to attend training or, or, or to make other sorts of things available. And there's lots of that stuff you can buy from us. But, but hopefully that's true, but it still belongs to you. And so it doesn't matter whether you're in the office or not, that still belongs to you. So that mindset and what you choose to do with that is critical. And again, probably speaking to the choir a bit there because of the self-selected folks that have chosen to to listen to us. Mm. The other part of that is people sometimes wonder, well, how am I going to be seen when I'm not actually being seen, <laughs> right? Like I'm not <laughs> right. in the building, right? And yeah, maybe my boss is still kind of seeing me, but their boss isn't. And like, how, how do I get seen? Listen, all of us know someone that was that guy or that gal, that everything they did seemed to be done for the show, seem to be done to, to look good to the people above. Like, don't be that person. <laughs> and, and when you're at home, working from home, doing it remotely, it may feel like that's your only option. It's really not. In the book, we talk a lot about what we call ethical visibility. And, and we don't have time to unpack it all. You're going to want to go buy a copy of the book. But I will say this, that it starts with not making it about you. It's about, it, it's about, Seeing, it goes back to where we started. Your job is not right. your work. Your job is your work plus the team's work. So right. being willing to share about what's happening and what you're learning in the context of the greater team. 
placing your role in a part of, in the context of all that. And that, that'd be, that's a short start. The idea is being ethically visible and not trying to be that gal or that guy that everyone rolls their eyes at. Right. I, I used to be that person a long time ago. <laughs> and by the way, sometimes it's hard to know. That's why I said people that roll their eyes. If you're on the Zoom call, watch what other people are doing. If you're getting that, <laughs> right. they're chatting about you and it might not be good. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. Self-awareness is hard, right? Yes, it is. It is. It took me a while. Uh, anything else from the book, uh, Kevin, you want to make sure we know before I ask a couple of questions not related to the book? No, uh, Jeff, you were... As I, I was, I'm not surprised, but you were well prepared. I think we, we talked about a, a lot of the key ideas. I love that we talked about the mindset and uh, that I think is required. And, and I love that we sort of closed by talking about sort of the career aspect of the book. So we want this book to be immediately applicable, like open a chapter, find some, I can do this right now to be more effective. Uh, and yet we know that this, this, the future of work and the landscape of work is changing and and while this isn't solely a book about your career as a long-distance teammate, I, I think we've got some important things to say to help you along that way. Hmm. I'd be curious to know, we've established that you're an avid reader. How would you say books and reading specifically has, has impacted your career and your level of success? Books are mentors on paper. It's, it's a great question. And I've been a reader my whole life. My mom tells the story about my grandmother, her mother-in-law, who was a school teacher, who I had as a school teacher, which is a whole other story, Jeff, that when I was a baby, my mom would be reading to me and grandma would sort of tease her, you know, brand new mother, 20 years old. Why are you reading to me? He can't read yet. I mean, she wouldn't have questioned that when I was, you know, two or something, but yeah. like, why are you reading? And, and my mom says, when you were in high school, grandma came to me and said, you did something right because he's a reader. And maybe it started when you read to him before he even knew what you were doing. And I don't know if that's true. So I've been a reader my whole life, but there was a season and I probably read more than, you know, I'm probably in the top 1% of readers now, mm. certainly of nonfiction per year or however you want to consume it or measure it. But there was a season in my life when I worked for Chevron before I started this company, when for about six years, I commuted about an hour each way on the BART train to downtown San Francisco. And I got on the first stop and I had about 45 or 50 minutes. And on the way in, I read every day, mm. every day. And there was a magical bookstore right next to our office with lots of great books, Powell's books. And I would go into the bookstore and I would buy books. And I would, and I, so I always had a book, always had two books. So yes, I read at home in the evenings and stuff, but I, and on the way home, you couldn't always do it because you were standing and you're talking to someone, but like 50 minutes a day, mm. every day, it changed my life. I, I know it did because it, I learned so much about so many areas that I was trying to be better at work, but that, but more broadly to help me learn how to start a business, how to market a business, how to sell a hundred things, hundred things. It, it changed my life. When it comes to uh, recommending books to others apart from your own, what are one or two books that you find yourself often recommending others read? Well, like you, I'm reading books for, to prepare for podcasts all the time. <laughs> so I could always take something off the top of my list. I'm looking at a book called Listen Like You Mean It that I read recently, which was really, really mm. fantastic. Mm, okay. I think of a book by Mary Abijay called Managing Up, which I've recommended to lots and lots of people that, that have struggled or had challenges with that particular thing. But I would say more broadly, anything by Peter Drucker, anything by Tom Peters, Anything by Dale Carnegie, anything by Zig Ziglar. How about that? 
Uh, the greats. Yes. <laughs> I love them all. How do you, how do you lose? You, you can't. I can't. Yeah. Well, finally, uh, Kevin, as you look ahead to the rest of the year, what's ahead for you and your team that, that you're excited about and in a position to, to share? Uh, we're introducing a brand new learning mode for us called Remarkable Masterclasses. We're going to release a new masterclass every month. Everyone knows what masterclasses are. Everyone implements them slightly differently, but very targeted, very clear, available to you instantly and forever, video-based. We've got some additional stuff we're giving people along with it, but a new skill every month for leaders and most of them also for anyone, but certainly focused on leaders, which is where we focus. The first one is called Remarkable Delegation. We'll release one every month. And then there's a way for people to you know, they can, they can buy that for their whole organization, put it in their LMS or whatever. But as an individual, uh, we're also having a pro membership. And inside of that, along with a bunch of other stuff, is uh, our three foundational masterclasses that I'm super proud of called Remarkable Learning, Remarkable Productivity, and Remarkable Mindsets. Pretty exciting stuff. RemarkableMasterclass.com, I think is right. RemarkableMasterclass.com. If it's not, we'll correct it. One way or the other, when you go to the show notes, it'll be it'll be right. Well, uh, the book, again, is called uh, The Long Distance Teammate, not team member, teammate. Uh, stay engaged and connected while working anywhere. His name is Kevin Eikenberry. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really enjoyed having you and loved, uh, loved the new book. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And maybe, just maybe, in a few years. I'll be back. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I just double checked because, yes, I am that fast. It is RemarkableMasterclass.com. I am confirming. It is RemarkableMasterclass.com. But you don't even have to remember that for access to any of the links and resources we talked about today. Just like every other episode here on the podcast, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com and then enter forward slash and the episode number, in this case, 374. Readtoleadpodcast.com slash 374 for the whole enchilada. And while you're at my website learning more about Kevin, be sure to put your first name and email address in that form in the upper right so you can get my free ebook called Dream Big, Five Personal Habits That Will Supercharge Your Life. In the coming weeks, lots of great authors lined up for you, including a couple of return visitors, people like Stephen M. R. Covey and G. Richard Shell, who first appeared in episode 12 way back in 2013, and a visit that I'm particularly excited about from my friend Mike Kim, who's written a book called You Are the Brand. All that and more in the coming weeks right here on the Read to Lead podcast. That does it for this week. I hope to see you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.